0: A Star Wars story podcast. A podcast honoring the stories of Star Wars, the characters within them, and the people who love them. Today, we will be discussing Attack of the Clones, its most memorable moments, and also probably compare this movie to the sequel trilogy because that is our brand. Um, (laughs) I am your host, Delaney, and I am joined by your other host, Brooklyn. Hi. And... Yeah, today we're going to be talking about Attack of the Clones, which is the second movie in the prequel trilogy. This is a part of our great mega Star Wars rewatch, if you will, and obviously the second one. And we're just going to be going through it, talking about what stuck out to us, like watching it as a kid, but also watching it, you know, as adults now. And... um. The memorable moments that we that stick with us, you know, upon each rewatch. So, yep. I guess we should just jump in jump into it. Um, let's
1: let's jump in with a nice, good, hot take because <laughs> everyone always says like Attack of the Clones is the worst. Like whenever, like that's like the like butt of the joke of Attack of the Clones It's like everyone puts it at the bottom of their list, and, you know that's just it right i would actually venture to say that attack the clones is the best prequel
0: Ooh.
1: and you know what that's a hill i'll die on i and mean i think that Attack the clones is the best prequel
0: you know what i would join you in saying that and i know there are a lot of people in my life that i know personally who would say that revenge of the sith is their favorite and while i can see the merit in that and i do not like i'm not going to discount anybody's opinion on favorite star wars movies but i like to see the pureness of relationship between anakin and padme before everything essentially goes to shit so yep this is the movie if that's what you're looking for this is the movie for you
1: my thing with Revenge of the Sith is, like, not to start talking about the wrong movie, but, like, <laughs> while it is very tragic, like, I don't really get that gut punch, like, this is tragedy, unless I'm thinking about it in context with the Clone Wars. Yes. With the animated series Clone Wars. Like, if I think about, like, Attack of the Clones Anakin and, like, Clone Wars Anakin and you think about, like all of the relationships that he built through the war, like, all with the clones, like, that, like, that is what makes it more tragic to me. And I feel like I I don't need that in Attack of the Clones. Like, Attack of the Clones can be on its own. Yeah. More than the Sith does, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So that's Um, our hot
1: take, is that Attack of the Clones is the best prequel.
0: And feel free to disagree because... Everybody likes. So many people do. Yeah, yes, you feel free. Yeah, yeah. Do not feel Forever. like. Yeah, yeah. We're just we're just stating our own opinion at you know right at the beginning, so you know how you feel about this movie in this trilogy of movies. Um, but yeah, I would I would say that this is my favorite prequel too. Um, for a lot of reasons, but um, I think the first thing that stood out to us was. Uh, the first thing we have, or the again, I'm gonna reference our Google Doc. So, sorry about it. I guess.
1: So I just want to preface for all of you. <laughs> at least my my method for prepping for our rewatch episodes is to just watch <laughs> the movie and hype out my stream of consciousness, which and, like, is type so exactly good. How I text, or, like pipe exactly how I talk and. I think we're just going to do like we're going to upload these up to Patreon every time.
0: Yeah, they're funny. As,
1: as long as I'm, you know, continue to be funny.
0: But... No, these are these are really funny, you guys. Like really good.
1: <laughs> and like we don't always cover everything cuz it's a literal stream of consciousness. So you can see all the stuff that we didn't talk about.
0: Yeah, we'll so... go th- like it's literally it covers the whole movie and we go through and we like highlight the things that we feel like need to be in the episode and then if we have extra time because like if we talked about every single thing that was on this, this would be like a three hour or plus episode, basically. So, and um, we don't need do that. Yeah. We like, I don't, do yeah. <laughs> I'm like, maybe, maybe if we get like X amount of patrons one day, then maybe we'll do like a super yeah. long episode. But until then, not yet. Yes.
1: Um, but the first thing that we, first thing that we highlighted was. Like the thing about the thing about Anakin is like his lack of impulse control. Like he just he jumps into everything. And when you're watching this movie, like his lack of impulse control is almost always in favor of Padme. And it's like like you see that in the first time that they're sitting down when she's like, We need to figure out who's trying to kill me. Like this needs to be done. And Obi-Wan's trying to act like play the Jedi role and be like listen, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to protect you and to make sure that you don't die, but we're not trying to figure out who's trying to kill you. Like, that's not our job, and that's not what we can do. And Anakin immediately is like, yeah, I know. i will do that. I will do that for you. <laughs> I will find to kill you. And, like, it's always, like, whenever he's, like, jumping into something, it's to save Padme, to help Padme to do something. And so I think that, like, while I can see, like, I think that Padme is a very rational person and can think her way through things and can be like, this kid doesn't have a lot of impulse control. But, like, I think it will be harder for her to see the negatives of that when it's kind of always working in her favor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, And this is gonna... This next one is gonna kind of segue into, like, a huge chunk of the analysis of this movie. Um, But it's very noticeable that when you're looking at Anakin as a character that you can tell that there's kind of a disconnect um, with how he is processing emotion and how he mm-hmm. how he like hi- like laser focuses on things like you know he's really good at certain things and then he's really not great at other things and yep. um, Brooklyn made a really 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 good um, assessment in, you know, labeling Anakin as ADHD, and I, there's so many there's so many things that you can attribute to his character, like with oh, yeah. that. And
1: so I had so I had, so I officially got diagnosed with ADHD. It was like a whole journey. Officially got diagnosed with ADHD this last December. And for some reason, like, Attack of the Clones was one of the first Star Wars movies that I rewatched kind of after that. And part of what happens when you, like, get a a good diagnosis, it's like, with, with your mental health, it's like the world, or just in health in general, the world, like, opens up and all of a sudden, like, you can pull from what other people who are in the same camp as you, and you have all of these things that, like, you didn't know how to verbalize like you didn't know what was happening and like you can attribute them to so like for me it was to my ADHD and so then I'm when I watched this movie and like now every time I watch Attack of the Clones I'm like you like Anakin just strikes me so much as an ADHD kid and as an ADHD kid that is going undiagnosed and which I think like whether you whether it's ADHD or just the trauma that he's experiencing like Anakin is obviously not in like a perfect mental state pretty much any time that we see him as especially as an adult after leaving Tatooine and whether whether you however you want to label that or however you see it through your own like your own mental like eye the jedi were not equipped for it Like, there's kind of a, like, the thing about Anakin was that he was too old. And part of him being too old wasn't just that, like, the Jedi usually take kids when they're a lot younger. It's that, like, being that old and going through what he had gone through, he kind of already had this, like, bucket of emotional damage that was, like, that they didn't really have the equipment to help him through which is why you see him like acting out so much and at least in my opinion like he isn't giving he isn't given the infrastructure that he needs to be able to learn how to cope with his emotions because for the jedi it's very much about peace and balance and it is like almost suppressing everything that is like happening in your in your brain and when that's What you learn from the start, that's a lot easier. But when you already have all of this buildup, and then you have to shut it all down, it's a lot harder, which is why we see, like, Anakin struggle so much. But, like, as far as the AHD thing goes, like he loses his stuff all the time, like, when he loses his lightsaber, like, despite it being the most important thing to, in his life, like, this is the one thing, like, Jedi's don't really even have possessions, except for a lightsaber, and he still loses it, he still breaks it, like, that is, yes, like, that is, (laughs) that that is just what happens, (laughs) and he he hyper focuses on things so he's mm-hmm. very 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 good Like Delaney said he's very good at the things that he is good at so he's a very good like swordsman he's a very good pilot he's very good at like using the force like when he focuses on it and then kind of everything else he's like it he has he has nothing yep and he also he, he attaches to people very very fast and doesn't let them go. Yep. You see that happen with Padme. You see that happen like with Qui-Gon. You see that happen with with Obi-Wan. Like you like you yeah. see that like he he gets these attachments and then he has a very hard time saying like it's okay if this person leaves my life. Like it's okay if we go on our separate journeys. Like it's like no, like you like I'm attached to you now. Like we have this bond. Like, you cannot break this. Like, it's why he goes so far to save Padme. Like, yep. And like he says he has a line that he said, um, when Obi-Wan comes back and Padme is supposed Padme is sleeping, Anakin is watching her, and he's talking about how he's been having these nightmares and he says some, like, he says that he wants to be around Padme because I can't remember the exact line, but it's something to the effect of like, she's very peaceful Mm -hmm. or like it calms him down. And like, that is a very ADHD thing. Like ADHD means your brain is going like all over the place in a million different directions at once all the time. And so when you find something that can quiet your brain like that is what like if you get medicated for ADHD that's what it like, that's what medication should be doing if it's working right is quieting all of those all of the energy that's in your brain and letting you just focus on one thing without having to like demand all of your energy from it and he says that like Padme is that for him and like you can have like you can have things that are external that aren't necessarily medication with ADHD that can do that for you that you're like, this is a calming thing for me. This is something that does allow my brain to like relax and recharge. And for Anakin, Padme is that, and she's a very calming force for him. And especially having the force, he can literally like feel her presence and have that calm him. And so like there were, as we go through the, re- like the rest of the movie, I'll point out other moments where I was like, yep, that's an ADHD thing. Like, with, for example, like, let's go into the um the great chase scene where yes. Anakin, where everyone like, flies through a freaking window and then Anakin has to, like, go and chase after him. And like, the that great line of, like, oh, sorry, like, I had to find a good ship. Like, sorry. Like, anyone else, like, you would just be practical and you'd be like I'm grabbing the first thing I see and going after Obi-Wan but like that is almost like an 80 of ADHD thing to be like no this still need like it doesn't matter that the stakes are up to here I still need like I still need like x amount of things to happen before I can move on and for Anakin that was this needs to be a good ship that I can actually maneuver and do X, Y, and Z with. And so he passes all of these perfectly good ships, finds the one he wants, and then goes after Obi-Wan, despite it being, like, a time, like, taking time to do that. And, like, he doesn't even know if Obi-Wan could, like, is still alive. He's flying, like, miles above the city. And it's just, I was like, yep, I I see you. I see you, boy.
0: (laughs) That, that scene, that scene where they commandeer the ship and are pursuing the assassin is one of the scenes where every time I watch the movie, I'm like completely engrossed. I really, really love that scene. I think it's so fun. I, I like, I know that there's like, there's high stakes and I know that like, it's not meant to be like this like jovial whatever scene, but there is like a lot of humor in it for sure. Um, and I like, and I didn't even, I love the, I love the observation of like saying, Obi-Wan saying I hate when he does that. And it's like, so this is like not the first occurrence. Like, this is like not the first time that this has happened. Um, and that makes me laugh really hard. Like, like just like like the pure, like literally the, just like the pure chaotic energy, like
1: it's so chaotic, and I love it's, it so much.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so chaotic, and it makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> I
1: know it's know more cut. Everything's happening at once. Well, that didn't even work. I, peace out, jumps out the side, and all is like, I hate it when he does that. Like, implying that this has happened before, that this is, like, like not only that has happened before, like, this is a recurring thing that Anakin does. It's, like, I, peace out, I'm going to jump out of a ship. I'm yeah. just going to jump out of things.
0: Yeah, that is like.
1: Four. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do, I guess.
1: Oh, I mean, oh, Anakin, I love you, my like problematic, chaotic child.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, we have to stand. You know what I mean? Like,
1: we have to. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so great. But so I was, so with that scene, we have Anakin, like he jumps off, he's on the plane he's on, not the plane, he's on the ship, and then the ship crashes and he's like running after um what's her name?
0: Oh Sam Wessel, right?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. he's running after Sam and like he's lost his lightsaber again in the like in and Obi-Wan has it. And when we see Obi-Wan again, he like you know, Obi-Wan is very much a calming presence most of the time for Anakin. Until he isn't. But he's very much a calming presence for Anakin. And he's like, you need to calm down. You need to use the Force. Like, you have ways of finding her that aren't just running after her. And that moment struck me when I was watching it this last time. Because I, I it reminded me almost as, like, an antithesis to Kylo Ren. Because... Like, as we talked about before with Kylo and it happens with Rey as well, but they're both very physical fighters, but they're physical while using the force. So we see like, you know, even Kylo like turning and stopping like the blast from um, Poe, like he's just very physical in the way that he moves in the way that he uses the force but it's very connected and it's much like there's almost much more of a balance with kylo i mean it's with the dark side but like with his ability to use like his body and the force whereas we see more with anakin almost the opposite of that where and on probably because he is you know being trained with the jedi and it's supposed to be much more peaceful that when he uses his physicality he tends to not use the force so he'll run after somebody he'll punch someone he'll like hit something rather than like doing that in tangent with like the force or doing a tangent with his lightsaber or something like he tends to do those very separately which i thought was like just an interesting like parallel between the two
0: yeah absolutely um yeah no I, I think that's a really good thing to mention um i completely agree of course uh, <laughs> there's not much like you've really know. you very thoroughly described that so there's like yep. not a whole lot to when add I had,
1: when when i when i had this thought and i wrote it down in my notes i texted delaney and i was like so i made it 20 minutes into attack of the clones before mentioning <laughs> the sequel trilogy yes. in my notes sorry this is it's just it's our brain
0: well and like we mentioned this in the phantom menace but because this is the first and then we're going to get to the last you know it's it's really impossible to not see parallels like i don't i don't know how you could how we could be rewatching these movies and not be seeing parallels um so sorry not sorry like i'm not sorry i don't even know why i said sorry in the first place i'm not sorry but yeah we're we're not bringing it up Yeah, we're not sorry it's gonna be brought up um, because it's something that... And
1: speaking of bringing up the prequels and the sequels, uh, we need to talk about Palpatine.
0: Because... Oh my... um, Yeah.
1: As you probably know, we hear Palpatine's laugh at the end of the Rise of Skywalker trailer. We know that Ian is back as Palpatine. Which,
0: like, what?
1: there are a lot of questions to do with that but
0: I have approximately like 1 million and 75 questions
1: right but now like it's also making me like just hone in on every single thing that Palpatine does in these in these three movies because like we don't really see his actions in the original trilogy because he really doesn't have a presence until Return of the Jedi and by that point like there's not a lot that he's doing and obviously that has a big impact but like Focusing on Attack of the Clones. Like, I think it's really interesting that. That Palpatine, like the role that Palpatine ends up playing for Anakin. Because everyone else is kind of like. Palpatine playing the role of the politician is such a calculated move. Because A, everything that he does is completely and totally calculated. And B, I think that being in the being like a politician and being like the head politician in the galaxy serves so many purposes but i think one of the like one of the ones that is less like obvious is that him being a politician there's kind of this attitude towards politicians both in the real world real world and in the galaxy far far away that like Politicians can't quite be trusted. Like, they're a little bit shady. You know, they're going to be doing some like backdoor business to get whatever they want passed and whatnot. And so I think that having that, like, any suspicion that you see people having over Palpatine ends up being dismissed as like, he, you know, he's probably doing something as a politician that's just making me a little shady. When, like, really, that 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 is them like they should be listening to those warning signs better and should be like oh no this this is a really bad guy like we should be stopping him when being a politician kind of gives him this like mask of like oh there's already some implied like duplicitousness and so people like especially jedi like brush it off and is and are just like you know it's fine it's probably just cuz he's a politician and they move on. Yeah. And it's it's so calculated. And like everyone everyone else feels that with with Palpatine, like you see like Obi-Wan, like everyone is telling Anakin like you really shouldn't trust him as much as you do. But Palpatine being, like, the incredibly calculated person that he is, like, he knows what Anakin wants, more than the Jedi even do, and, like, we see just in the small meeting that he has with Palpatine directly, that Palpatine in that is, like, you are the greatest Jedi that I've ever known, like, he's giving him all of, like, this praise and approval, and, like, he's he knows what Anakin needs, like, emotionally, and and he's giving it to him in, like in the most manipulative way possible. And it's so like trying to and, and he it works. He gets Anakin to do what he wants in the end. Yeah. And it's it's so frustrating because you can you can like watch like those walls slowly come down for Anakin when you know they should be like up so high.
0: Yeah, because he well, he's getting the he's being affirmed in a way that Mm -hmm. no one else is doing. And I think that even though it's one of those things where it's like, even though I think in some capacity, he knows that Palpatine is not the person he needs to be trusting. But the one thing that he really, really, really wants is affirmation. And he really wants to be praised. And I think in a lot of situations, I mean, I think that's a totally normal response. Like, you're getting something that you want from someone who you may recognize as maybe not having the best intentions, but they're giving. Ultimately, they're giving you what you want. So,
1: and it's somebody in power. Yeah, And it's somebody like, and he's how old is he supposed to be in this in this movie? He's like what, 18? Um, I, I mean,
0: he's yeah, he
1: is. I mean, he's older than he was but like he's still essentially like a teenager or a very young adult
0: yeah he's young in this
1: movie that is such like a vulnerable time and like you don't necessarily have the wherewithal to be like this person is being like this is like a predatory action this is like something like you don't quite have those walls up or the wherewithal to be like this is not good like they're telling me things like not in a good way kind of thing and like Palpatine uses that, and he gets where he wants to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's, I mean, ultimately, Anakin's just, like, a pawn in his game, but he knows how to manipulate him. So yep. that's, I guess, that's a point for Palpatine in this. But, yeah, it's, it's real. I mean, it's really hard, because there's a lot of things, even though Anakin is prophetically speaking the chosen one the cards are kind of stacked against him there's a lot of things there's a lot of things existing already or experiences in his life i feel like that are against him so it's kind of like he doesn't really have a fair chance to begin with um because i mean like you look at his childhood you look at his relationship with palpatine you look at these emotions that he's dealing with and it's kind of like Oh and man, like he gets
1: picked up as like an eight-year-old in the Phantom Menace, and it's like yeah. he gets taken to court, like he gets taken away from his world to Coruscant, and then everyone is literally like talking about him in front of him, and are like, "Uh, this guy's the chosen one." Like they aren't even being subtle about it. Like he's in the room, and people yeah. are like, "This is the chosen one." Like that is a lot of pressure for an eight-year-old.
0: Yeah, it's like he didn't really even have a ch- a chance to begin with. Like it's really like. You know, you see him fight it for so long and eventually Palpatine's manipulation gets through. But ultimately, it's kind of like there's so many things that are stacked against him that it kind of, you know, you see like Attack of the Clones, like kind of hopeful, maybe he'll overcome. But it's like there's so many things that happen, like with his mom, especially his mom dying. And it's just like there's just too much that it makes it kind of impossible for him to Turn around on the path that he's going on um but yeah it's it's unfortunate but it tells the story um and you really this is the ever important middle chapter so there's a lot of like foundational building in this movie too um yep. but yeah uh another thing to mention i love this so much um this the wording of this is really funny too um, i did not write this brooklyn wrote this but um, i love that it says um this decoy move has the both of them on their own for the first time no master no handmaidens. Just, just the two of them and y'all didn't think they were gonna hook up question mark question mark um
1: i'm sorry but like you sent two reckless people with poor impulse control who are yeah. both young yeah who like we obviously like already know there's at least some attraction there and you're like this is fine this is a good choice like that's a little bit on you yeah like like (laughs) it's like when it's like when you like make a bad decision and you like hook up with some like someone that you know like you probably shouldn't have but 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 like you're alone and so you're like eh might as well but then by the time you get back to your friends and they're like this was a bad decision like uh you need to dump him you're like already too invested and so then like you're stuck and you're like, Well, I'm here now. This is where I'm at, and next yeah. everyone else has to roll with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's like so funny. There's so What's many
1: on you guys for not coming with me tonight.
0: Yeah, that's, and this
1: what, is, is
0: this is like the first of many instances where it's like, How did y'all not know something was happening? Like, come on, like, like there's probably oh, yeah. people yeah, we'll talk about it more when there's like it comes up later, but this is like the first instance where it's kind of like, okay, people definitely knew, but no one was really saying anything about it. So like
1: you should have known.
0: Yeah, like this was obvious. Um This this next bit had me deceased. Um I didn't write this. Um, Brooklyn wrote this. But this I will not apologize. This, yeah, Brooklyn needs to apologize in advance, because this is, like, so dark, no. but... Yeah, yeah, okay, this is dark. Okay, so, <laughs> obviously, in the movie, we get to see the younglings, the little BB younglings, and... Like
1: when, when, when Obi-Wan comes in to, like, Yoda's little class, and they're all cute, and, like, use their little lightsabers, like Luke did, but they're tiny.
0: Yeah, they're literally so cute, they're little BBs, and the commentary is... The little younglings are so cute. Too bad they're all about to be dead soon. Um excuse me?
1: I'm not wrong.
0: I know, but like, man, that attacked me like straight up. Like I oh man. I like I just Oh I don't want to get into it because it gets into Revenge of the Sith, but yeah, that oh so sad. So (laughs) sad. This is that's why This is like This is, like, the pure... I mean, it's not, like, wholly pure, but this is, like, the enjoyable middle chapter where it's, like, nothing, like, too bad has happened yet. So, yeah. (laughs) They haven't died yet. So, we're still good. Um, I think it would be... We would be very remiss. I mean, we... This would not be an Attack of the Clones episode if we didn't extensively talk about Padme's outfits. um, Because, like, obviously, it's, like, a pinnacle point of these movies um but the first one that we want to outline is the lake dress because it's stunning
1: it's so pretty and just like the cascading of like all of the layers of fabric and just like the open back and like the ombre down with all the colors like it is so gorgeous and like you cannot blame anakin for being like i'm in love with you in that yeah like i i'm in love
0: with natalie portman in that dress
1: she is beautiful and that dress is just absolutely gorgeous and something that um in Queen shadow they talk about going to the lake country and why like the lake like what it kind of informs why padme would have picked the lake country because we learned that a lot of um Padme's outfits especially the ones that she wears like to the senate or like as the queen are actually like weaponized like she can slip in and out of them actually quite quickly like they have like places where weapons can go and the difference is, is in the late country because it's very secluded that even when she was queen she could kind of be anonymous in the late country and a result of that was the like clothing that she could wear didn't have to be weaponized and didn't have to like have all of this extra like precaution to it it could just be which is why we see like an open bath. like we don't we don't see that much skin on padme like at all before now because like she has like she's protecting herself both like yeah. in terms of modesty and in terms of like physical like protection from harm and I think and like being there in that lake dress is like not only is it so beautiful and gorgeous but it really is like Padme like putting her walls down like oh absolutely and you see that in all of the dresses that are here like like in like the lake dress and the picnic dress you see it in like even the black dress that she wears like it's too form fitting and it like even still has like exposed shoulders where like there isn't a place for that weaponization like and so everything that she wears like while she's in the lake country and while she's with Anakin like when it's really just the two of them it's very like she's it's very symbolic of like how how she is opening up to him and how she's like letting her walls come down and letting that happen where she is open to him and she's open to it's like it's almost symbolic of her, like, her being open to being hurt because like she has that open skin. She has that open back. And it's just yeah. being... She's opening her heart.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I also think we would be remiss if we didn't mention arguably one of the most quoted lines from this movie. Not, not quoted in the way that we'll probably talk about it, but the uh-huh. I don't like sand line and I, Brooklyn mentioned a really good point. It's like, it's, that is a relatable line. Like who honestly, like raise your hands if you legitimately like sand, because I need names. Like I, I, always been,
1: like, I, I grew up in California. Like everyone yep. was like, oh, you're on the beach. you go to the beach all the time. And I'm like, first of all, no, all California is on the beach. And I'm like two hour, two, three hours away from like a cold beach, let alone a warm one. And second of all, sand is awful. And sand does, it is rough. It is coarse. It does get everywhere. Like, have you ever tried to drive back from the beach? Sand is literally everywhere. Like, Anakin is right in this line. It's kind of a weird line to say, but like, his timing isn't great, but when is Anakin's timing ever great? And like, he's right. Sand is awful. Yeah. And like, sand is awful just as a baseline. And like, he comes from a planet where he was enslaved. And they were sand. There's, like, a correlation there. And yeah. I would defend that because he's right.
0: Yeah, I mean, he obviously has, like, less than pleasant memories that are associated with sand. And I don't blame him one bit for just saying, yeah, not a fan. Not my favorite thing. Um, I think it's relatable. Yeah, timing could have been better. But, yeah, then again, when is his timing ever, like, amazing? Um, so, yeah, I... I'm here for that line, not even in the meme context, but just because I too don't like sand, so we can see eye to eye on that in the very least. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, we mentioned it pre like a few seconds ago, but the picnic dress that Padme wears is also stunning, and like the looks we get in this movie, so good. Um, we get really good looks in this movie. Um. But we also get Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen rolling around with each other in the grass, it's which is so like. Cute.
1: Here's my thing: is like it, I feel like when when we're talking about like Anakin and Padme like lovey scene, like we always talk about the lake dress one because it's, it has the sand line. The lake dress is so pretty. Like that's when they first kiss, and they don't kiss in the picnic scene. But the picnic scene is way cuter because like yeah. they're able to like. At the lake, they're, like, head-on, like, we should be in love, we should kiss, and it's like, no. But at the picnic, like, they're, they're like, okay, so we're not going to do that, but, like, we can still tease, we can still flirt, we can still have fun, and they have so much yeah. fun, and
0: it's so cute to watch, and I love them. They're so cute. I cannot get over it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love it so much. And, yeah, you – we literally hop from, like, the lake dress to the picnic dress pretty quickly, and – I love that Brooklyn mentioned this, but the the fact that Padme changing her clothes like every five minutes for Anakin, which is an energy I can get behind. Which, yes, yes, Listen,
1: like, like I know that the criticism of Padme is like literally every single scene that she's in, she has a different dress on, but like. I'm sorry, but have you ever been around someone who like you really like and you kind of have a crush on and you don't really know how to act? Like I don't know about you, but like changing my outfit and being like, I don't. Are they coming over? Okay, I need to change. I don't. I don't like what I'm wearing. Like you, you have to like keep changing. It, you're in panic mode pretty much all the time, and I feel for her on like that girl level where it's like you know what I think I need to change I don't know I don't know if we liked that one we're gonna and she, hi she's a senator and she's on boo and she has a million different outfits like if I had a closet like that yes I would also be changing all the time
0: like it also like not even like not even like the fact that she's with someone like not even the fact that like picturing that you're with someone you like but the fact that you're with Hayden Christensen which is like <sighs> So like, cute. are you kidding me? So like, I I don't blame her at all. I'd be doing the same thing. Like, yeah, look at all these amazing outfits I have, and look at how yeah. good I look in them.
1: She's showing. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, Like, why not? Like, she had to stun. Like, she had to do it to him. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah, I love I love the outfit changes. It's gonna come up, like frequently in this episode just because she has again so many good outfits um but yeah and I like how you see like um the like the dynamic that they have with their superiors and with people in their lives and then they have the dynamic between just them two and it's so unique and it's so like i don't think they're they i don't they obviously don't have any other relationships in their life like that and so it's a really really interest it's really interesting to see the sides of both of them because it's a unique side of each of them um yeah. and i really like i would like that we get though that those moments in this movie
1: yeah i think like one of my favorite moments between them is <sighs> it's <laughs> technically is kind of the morning after but like it's not a morning after scene um but when Anakin like wakes up from his nightmare and so he's like meditating and Padme comes out in her nightgown which again nightgown Padme is also an underrated look but yes in that moment he's just like Anakin is just completely vulnerable and he's completely honest with her and he's like listen i know that my mom is in pain and i know that I can save her and and I have to, I have to go. And she just looks straight up at him and she's like, I'll go with you, I will help you. And like, we just saw them talk about how like being together and like being there for each other could ruin their entire lives. And like, that's not what they could do. And we see this, like, especially in the beginning of the movie is whenever they try to like approach the problem head on, like, like the first kiss at the lake and like by the fireside, like you, like they they have a really hard time like when faced with the reality of it like that like they're able to rationalize the consequences of like having an affair together and are like no like this is illogical we can't do this but when they're vulnerable with each other and when they're able to be when they you know are honest with each other like they they just you watch them melt and you watch them just say like of course i will be there for you like it's this it is before you even get to the arena where they visit where they like verbally say that they love each other it is like how they're showing that they're in love is that like yes i will drop everything and i will go and try and help your mother with you and it's that like that vulnerability comes back again and again and we see as the as the movie progresses especially from like as we leave naboo it's when they're vulnerable with each other that is when they're like when they fall in love and when they're like bonding and like create that bond that like can't break.
0: Yeah, they they are each other's weaknesses for sure because they have that moment, they have like moments, multiple moments where they're like this is illogical, we can't do this. And they basically kind of come up with a list in a few scenes where they're like, "Well, you're, you know, you're a Jedi, you have committed yourself to this and you know, it, and I'm a senator, and, like, it just, you know, there's all these things, and it's, like, but in spite of that, we're still going to pursue this, like, in spite of all these things that should theoretically be keeping us apart, we're going to pursue this, because we cannot stay away from each other, and
1: yeah. I, and they can't help I it. think,
0: yeah, and I think it's, there's, like, a tragic beauty to that, like, Everything I do think it's beautiful, is,
1: is tragic beauty, yeah, like it's
0: it's beautiful but it's also so tragic because we know the outcome and it's really sad. But um but that's a different episode unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh and I also really like that we get in this movie we get to see older Anakin um on Tatooine versus kid Anakin on Tatooine. Yeah. Um because that's like his, you know, his home turf basically. Um, and his demeanor really shifts. Like yeah. you can, you can see, like, you can see almost like it's really easy, even though he's older and it's like a different actor and everything, you can really see, like, it's one of those things where he is like, he's almost like that kid in that moment. Like he, it's like, oh, he reverts back to like who he was. Like when he, it's like, oh, it's really hard. I feel like it's hard for him to be home just because it was,
1: Oh yeah, you know, like
0: it's, There's not a lot of happy memories associated with that place. Yeah.
1: And, like, everything before Tatooine, like, Anakin has this, like, bravado and this confidence that, like, you know, he's putting on these airs and he's doing all this. And as soon as they get to Tatooine, like, all of that is really gone. And it's very much, like, please, like, just let me know where my mother is. Like, I just just need to know where my mom is. And, like, I think that this is one of those scenes that, like, I point to when people are, like, because one of one of the criticisms of the prequels is that like Hayden Christensen is a bad actor and my counterpoint is that he's a great actor he just the scripts of the prequels are not the best and so he's working with what he's got and in this yeah, scene, absolutely. you really can see cuz like I love George Lucas but like his writing Isn't the greatest, and like especially when it comes to like dialogue, like he's good at this overall story stuff. But when it comes to like dialogue between characters and like moving the story along, it's not always the best. And like that's what Hayden Christensen had to work with. But like here, you see just such a visible difference. But from even like two or three scenes before, when he's like with Padme and he's on Naboo, and like everything is happy and he's able to forget about his mom for a moment, you see that like. And you see a a visible difference once he has his vision, once he comes to Tatooine. And it's just like, he really, really plays that so well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Also, gonna mention that Shmi Skywalker deserved so much more. So much more. And... Can yeah, Brooklyn Brooklyn wrote this, and I highlighted it because I agree. But yeah, can we bring the energy into twenty nineteen and the years following to stop fridging women in movies to drive the, the like male characters plot forward, please? Like, Honestly. like so please, can we stop if you doing aren't
1: that? Familiar with the term fridging, it is when let me let me look up the exact definition.
0: Yeah, it's- we saw it so in Solo, female, too.
1: It's when a female character is injured, raped, killed, or depowered as a plot device intended to move a male character's story arc forward,
0: and- Which is, like, why are we doing this?
1: It, it literally comes from- there was, like, a- uh, something- it was, like, a comic book- um, it was, like, a comic book trope. It was first in comic books, and it goes- it, uh, it applies to all forms of media and it um it started because like there was a like a storyline was where like a man like the male hero literally found like his girlfriend like in the refrigerator which is where the fridging comes from and like that's where like the villain had left her once he killed her or whatever but the but the but the essential part of it is is that like you have female characters whether they're well developed or like or not but they get killed and that is the motivation for a man to become the hero to do something here we see shmi die and it you know triggers her son and he kills an entire village of people and it really starts him uh, as like his first real act as like channeling the dark side and like we i mean it's and this movie was made when it's come out 2003 or something like it like this movie was a while ago and like while it's never good it's never okay like there is a little bit of like you have to take the the frame of reference
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah like when it was made into account but like we are still seeing this like skip ahead if you still haven't seen like infinity war end game but like we see this like with the like last two avengers movies with the soul stone with vormir you see thanos kill his own daughter and sacrifice his own daughter to get the soul stone and to motivate him to like go that last step and you know take over the universe or whatnot and like do the snap and then you see again in event in Endgame where ev- even if, even though it's, you know, Black Widow makes the choice for herself, it's still a man writing that. So it's not actually like a female character or a female writer making this choice. It's still a man writing a female dying, and then you have a scene where you have all of you know, all of the male Avengers and they take her sacrifice as like a huzzah and they like that they, they didn't need, essentially. Like, they already had lost so much. Not to like make this an Avengers podcast, but like they'd already <laughs> lost mean, so I much. I mean, I feel like there's already- like a
0: fair amount there's like a fair amount of crossover, I feel like, between
1: Star Wars. Motivation to go to Thanos. No like no one was like not on the plan. Like no one was like not committed to this or didn't want to stop Thanos like they just killed her and then they yeah. like, had a sad moment and moved on and so like this is something that is still definitely happening and like we should stop
0: yeah and I mentioned it very briefly but you also see it in Solo um, when mm-hmm. Val dies for Beckett basically yep. Um so yeah if we could stop doing that That'd be really cool um, because yeah. male, car- male, oh female characters.
1: Some unnamed people who may or may not be in charge of a Star Wars who have a very bad history of doing this to women.
0: Um, rhymes with Denioff <laughs> and Feist. Um, you you can figure I, it out on your own. I won't. I won't name. Yeah, names. we're not. We're not. Yeah, we're not going to name names. But it rhymes with that. Yeah. So, um. But yeah, I mean, I don't female characters strong not even strong female characters, but just female characters in general should not have to die to motivate a man. To and and like I'm sorry, but can we get female characters and like their story like on their own too? Like why why do we have to get female side characters to motivate the man? Like why? Mm-hmm. Like why are we doing this? Um but anyway, uh yeah, so Anyway, Shmi, you didn't you didn't deserve that. Um but yeah, and I yeah, and I think that too, when you look especially to Shmi's death, it's like Anakin sees that that's I think that is the real turning point for him, um, where he's like life. If he's conscious is not,
1: of it or not, like it really yeah. does make a difference.
0: Yeah, and he and he looks at that, and that's like the moment where he's like I lost my mom and I don't want to lose Padme. And I think that's really the turning point for him where he's like, I have to find out a way for this to never happen again because I can't handle this ever again.
1: And he, and like when when he's like having his speech at Shmi's grave, like he says something to the fact, like I'm like, I failed you. And like, he really does see like death as a personal failure. And so you see why he, Would take it so hard and would be so, like, even though that's, like, we know that that's an illogical conclusion. Like, that's not how death works. Like, it it most, more often than not, is not the fault of any one person. But in his brain, like, someone that he loves dying, and especially him being a Jedi, means that he failed. And means that, like, it is his fault that they died. And you see the seeds of this being planted. Like, we see it in uh, The Phantom Menace where he's, like, he Anakin has lines where he says, like, the Jedi, like, oh, Jedi can't die. Jedi can't be killed. You know? And we see it again here where it's, you know, you died when I was off-world, when I was, you know, you let me go. Like, he really doesn't have a role in her death you know, other than to be there for her at the last moment, like, he has no responsibility in this, and yet he says, like, this is the entirety, like, this is my, like, fault. This is me. I did this.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. Also say,
1: like, he because like he told obi-wan that he said that he wanted to go back and you can see the seeds of like this disconnect with the jedi happening even in this scene where a he totally goes dark side for a sec and you know kills a bunch of people but also he has been telling like his jedi and his mentors that like he needs to go back and he needs to save his mom and they told him like it it'll pass like dreams pass in time is what obi-wan tells him and like People, you know, you remember your mother and that's fine. But, like, this will pass and you can't worry about that. You can't be thinking about her. And to him, like, and then to show up and only be validated in that, like, yes, I should have gone. I should have listened to my feelings. I should have done this and I could have saved her had you not stopped me. And it's those, like, stirring seeds of discontent between him and the Jedi. And you see so much of, like, where Anakin will go in the next movie like, right here in these few minutes, like, when Shmi dies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, it's, yeah, it's a driving factor for him, which it shouldn't be, but it is, and I don't know, you really, yeah, you really see his, you know, he, the way that his demeanor shifts is kind of, like, a slow burn up until this moment, and it's kind of just, like, it kind of snaps, something in him snaps and like i don't blame him i mean the things that he's going through you know like having to process what ha- his mom dying and in the way that she died i mean like i can't even imagine that you know like so i can't i can't really look and say oh well i mean i'm sure there are obviously healthier ways to handle that but he has not been given access to what those are so mm-hmm. like can you really like blame blame him you know what I mean like it's kind of hard when you don't really have the tools so um but yeah I I I feel bad I feel for him I I, like just forever feel for Anakin um but yeah I I think that's definitely important to mention because it's a huge part of his arc um and this is where this and this is not even like an argument or like a difference of opinion. But this is where Brooklyn and I, this is our two different trains of thought. And this is like very clear, like cl- very clear differences, which is really funny because in all other things, I feel like we're really similar. But this yeah. one, I read this and I was like, I, this is not how I read this scene as a kid. <laughs> but um, the factory scene um, when they're like on the conveyor belt um and they're trying to get they're trying to get off and they're trying to like they're like dodging under things and like padmays in that like thing that's being going to be filled with whatever and it's you know getting crazy and i think like doesn't anakin like break his lightsaber or lose it or something happens yeah, to he it does. <laughs> yeah so brooklyn mentioned that this scene fascinated her as a kid and she always wanted to try and make her way through the conveyor belt and i read that and i was like i have so much anxiety watching this like every time I watch it I'm like that is totally like not how I read this scene like because I watch it and I'm just like so like even though I know now like what's gonna happen I'm like (sighs) like hyperventilating like so stressed like every time because it's just like there's a lot of like I don't know it just like it like gives me anxiety and there's also this is like not related to Star Wars but there's like a similar scene in the Robert Downey um, Sherlock Holmes movie one of them um, yeah so if you've seen those there's like, there's like a similar scene but like anything that has to do with like conveyor or like there's like a time and like someone's gonna be like hurt if like I don't know it just it like gives me anxiety so I like see the appeal of it for sure but I just like so funny where Brooklyn was like this is a challenge I want to do it and I'm like nope like please don't um <laughs>
1: this is is something i did a lot as a kid i don't know why but like any scene where like characters are trying to like get through something so like the factory scene and in this one where like anakin and padme are like on these conveyor belts different conveyor belts trying to get through or like the scene from monsters inc where they're like on the like doors and they're like hopping back and forth and they're like going down all this stuff like scenes like that always made me be like I want this to be, like, a ride at Disneyland or something. Like, I want this to be a real scenario that I can try. Like, I don't know why, but that was always, like, that's always where my brain went. So I always loved the factory scene because I was like, all right, this is what I would do. You get to stop. You got to go back. You got to, like, run under. Like, I don't know why,
0: but that's how I always, always been. I am obsessed with that like it's funny because it gives me like a new perspective on it because for me it's like oh this is like anxiety whatever but then it's like no this could be fun too so it's like a way that i had not thought about it so i really like that yeah um also can we just please put some respect on r2d2's name please so um because he has done the most like the absolute most like
1: How many times has he seen? I he is responsible for Luke and Leia existing just on the basis of how many times he has saved both Padme and Anakin's lives like individually.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm not tolerating R2-D2 slander. So
1: we do not.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. I love him so much. Um, Also love the scene. So I really like the scene. I mean, it freaks me out. Cause like, creatures and whatever and like they're scary but i love the scene where we get where it's um anakin obi-wan and padme and they're facing like those monsters essentially the three monsters and it's
1: so they like
0: they go out they like confess
1: their love as they go out to this distance it's so good yes it's so
0: it's so so good and we get arguably, one of the most iconic Padme looks, um, which is midriff Padme. I think
1: it is the most iconic. I think the only thing that could rival it would be possibly, like, her, like, original queen outfit from from The Phantom Menace. But this one yeah. is, like, the one that's, like, on all the dolls. So, like, everything has. Is yes. The all-white outfit Padme. Which doesn't make sense, yeah. because she goes from, like, one desert planet to another desert planet, which is, like, full of like red rock and stuff like that stuff stains like but yeah let her have it because she looks great
0: yeah also like how she's cut and then how like you see her outfit in the next scene like make it make sense (laughs) like somebody make it make sense like this is not i mean if you know if you've read up on the original trilogy or if you've read The Princess Diarist, which is Carrie Fisher's um, autobiography, one of many. Um, there is also a moment where she mentions George explaining to her why there's no, like, bras in space. Um, and so, you know, ha- like, rationalizing why there's no bras in space. So this is not the first time where we see, like, a lack of understanding of how, like, female clothing works. Um or like but-
1: work in general. Yeah, or just,
0: like, how females work, but, like, it just makes me laugh. I'm just, like, somebody, just, like, make it make sense. Um right, like,
1: Midrith Padme is hot, but, like, that is not how close rip George Lucas. Like, yeah. That is that's not how Also,
0: work. also, the, like, I'm so glad you wrote this down, but watching her, like, jump off and, like, land on that animal makes me cringe every time, because I'm just, Wait, like, like imagining so how that <laughs> me? Because, like, <laughs> It would hurt so bad.
1: She falls from so high and like yeah. lands split leg. Like she doesn't even like land on her feet and then like get down. She just lands like split legs straddling this like monster that is full of hard that is just hard scales and has like a literal ridge that they're riding on.
0: Like yeah, like just no, lands
1: on that, no problem, and is just gives Anakin a kiss on the cheek, and there we go, like. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter if you're a girl or not. That's gonna hurt. Yeah, that like very
0: painful.
1: I'm like, yeah,
0: I every time I watch that I cringe because I'm like, I like imagine how that would feel. And I'm just like, nope. No, thank like, you. yeah, that's not happening. Um, another quotable line is uh we get the we get another mention of aggressive negotiations. Um which is really funny because I believe... Isn't it Padme saying it back to Anakin this time? Whereas he mentioned it to her the first time? I think I so. I believe. Yeah, so it's kind of like... It's kind of like the I love you, I know switch that we get in the original trilogy. But I love... I just think, like, aggressive negotiations just, like, makes me laugh. Like, I feel like it's an oxymoron. Um, I
1: it is, and just, that's what's so beautiful yeah. about
0: it. Yeah, it's, it's so funny to me. Like... Oh, my gosh. Like, the subtle humor in this movie is just so good. Um, Also, again, like, in this scene and also, like, basically from this moment to the end of the movie, we see a lot of, like, finally now, like, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme are all reunited. And it's like, look me in the eyes and tell me that obi-wan like is observing these two and is like something beyond friendship is not happening like look me in the eyes and tell me that because you can't Tell me, like obi-wan
1: did not know that anakin and padme were in love the entire time and he just let it go out of respect for the two of them out of love for the two of them it was like you know what you guys do you i'm not gonna like yeah support you anywhere or anything like i'm well, sorry yeah he, like they give each other a kiss and they're all like, you know, power couple battling together on this on the during this battle. Anakin loses it. Loses it when Padme falls off the ship and like Obi-Wan has to pull, like, you will be expelled from the Jedi Order card to get him to be like you need to calm down. Padme would be calm in this situation.
0: And like Yeah, like him I mean, yeah, when like,
1: the battle, when like the battle is said and done and Dooku leaves, like Padme runs straight into Anakin's arms and like the only people there are like a couple of clones Yoda and Obi-Wan and like runs straight into his arms after saying Anakin and hold each other like Obi-Wan knew the entire time and you can't tell me any different
0: also or like I always I will forever think it's so smart of Obi-Wan to specifically say like what would Padme do in this situation because like no. He wouldn't say that if he didn't know
1: that connection. Yeah, he didn't know how well they knew each other. He would. Yeah. He would. He wouldn't have done that. But he says, you know, what would Padme do? Padme would know.
0: Yeah, and then and then he like he fi- that is able to calm him down. But I always, every time I hear that line, I'm always like, that was so smart of him to say because right? he's playing his cards so right in that moment. Yeah. and also, that, that that over
1: for them as they go and get married because like as yeah yeah end, no what yeah do is like oh uh, where's your padawan and he's like oh he's just escorting senator amadala back home like there's no reason for that to happen but he's like obi-wan's like no he's doing that like i told him to it's an assignment he's escorting her and it's like nah they're going to go get married and like i'm just we're just going to roll with it
0: obi-wan is like the homie like straight he up.
1: Yes. Like he's not like, going to mention it because mentioning it makes it real and mentioning it means that we have to deal with the consequences. So he's not going to and he's just going to say
0: nothing. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um yeah, that yeah, absolutely. Um also we'd be remiss if we didn't mention bail because This is the first appearance
1: of Bail Organa, at least Jimmy Smits, as Bail Organa. And if you don't know anything about us, Bail Organa. We we love Bail Organa. We will eventually do a whole episode about our love for Bail Organa.
0: Yeah, Bail deserves this whole episode because there's so much that we need to say.
1: Doesn't have a lot to do in this one, but we kind of get an, an introduction of like, we see his... Like, we see that he is, like, allied with Padme, and that, like, he is part of her, like, they are part of the same, like, coalition within the Senate, To and, like, he's there in her meetings with her, and he is, and we see him, he's, like, the one, like, because Padme's not getting married, but, like, Bale is the one, like, when they're overlooking all of the clones and this new army that, like, and the new power that has been given to Palpatine yet again, like, Bale is the one, like, you see him. It's, like, ever so subtle because, like, yeah, he's in the presence of Palpatine and all these clones. He can't openly be, like, hi, this is maybe a bad idea. Like, but you see him, like, look to the side. You see that he's conflicted. And, like, we just, we love, we, in this house, we love and protect Bale daughter
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's incredible. Him and Brea both, like, <sighs> they are so pure and... I would give anything for more content of them. Like anything. Just, yeah, like I would literally give anything. Like I love them so much. I loved, like, I mean, obviously, I loved Leia, but that was a huge chunk of the reason too why I loved the book Leia Princess of Alderaan because we got so much more of Bail and Brea in that in that book. So and much.
1: when we get and further down our movies, we will we will be talking about Leia Princess of Alderaan. and yeah there is so I think much we- good <laughs> content there and also we will most definitely be crying through that episode i just you, yeah your warning now
0: this is like not the first time we've mentioned that book and have said like we're gonna do an episode because we are gonna do an episode um and yeah i if you if you haven't read that book even if you're not like i mean why wouldn't you be a huge leia stand? like who are you but for if whatever reason you're not a huge leia stand, but you are interested in more Bale and Brea content, go read that book because you get a pretty no, substantial amount. So, but like obviously read it for Leia too, because duh. Um, And then we end with music, the score, which is for a lot of people, one of like, I mean, I don't think even it's for a lot of people it's like basically for everyone it is a fundamental part of these movies like you cannot have star wars without the score
1: like i just just last night i went and i saw a new hope in concert and like it was absolutely beautiful so like you i watched new hope on the big screen in a room full of people with a live orchestra and like so i'm i'm always very like attuned to the music in star wars but like I'm on another level at the moment. And, like, the end of this movie, as we see these, like, troops, we just, you hear, like, you have heard Vader's theme a lot more subtly in different places throughout the movie. Like, even when he's killing, like, the entire, like, Tuscan Raider village, like, it's still a little more subtle. It's played in with other themes too. And here at the very end, it is just purely, it's the Imperial March. And we see like, we we just saw like the clones save the Jedi and it's like, oh, this is a good thing. And then, just John Williams is so hitting you in the face, like this is not a good decision. Like this is not the move that should have been made. And we know where this move is going to lead. Like we see the clone troopers and they're so very obviously the predecessor to a stormtrooper. And like we know where this is going and we see the people like we see the people's faces when they're so excited and they're like this is how we this is how we win. And it's just it's Vader's theme hitting you over the head. And then not only is it Vader's theme just right there, so pure and, like, fully formed, it immediately transitions into Across the Stars, which is the love theme for Anakin and Padme as they get married. And you see, like, just musically, John Williams is just painting a picture because they're, they're really, for the last, like, probably minute and a half, two minutes or so of the movie, no, there's no dialogue like nothing there's no dialogue for the rest of the movie it's just john williams carrying you out through the end and it immediately goes into from vader to across the stars you see what he will become and you see that the choices he's making right now are what lead him there choices in the like participating and supporting the clone wars and the choice to marry padme like we know that that is going to lead to luke and leia being born But also, like, all of the hurt and pain that has to happen before that happens. And so, like, just, oh, John Williams takes any opportunity he can to just, like, punch you in the face with the feels. And, like, that is one of them. Going immediately from Vader to Across the Stars to Anakin and Padme being married and just wants to, like, stab you straight in the heart.
0: Yeah, and if you listen to Sky Talkers, I know that they say a lot of times, look to the animation for the future of Star Wars. I would say, if you want a deeper understanding of where these movies are leading, or if you want, I mean, like the, mu- the music plays a huge part. I would say look to the music of Star Wars, not to, not necessarily for the future of Star Wars, but just look to the music. I feel like yeah. it's beautiful and it sounds great, but I feel like I feel like contextually sometimes it may be overlooked. and it's important contextually too
1: like john williams is one of the most brilliant composers and movie composers honestly of all time and he and he is privy to so much of the story and in that he he the way that he crafts themes and puts themes together is just absolutely like phenomenal and it it does it tells you where this is going and yeah I, i'm also gonna plug one other podcast is there's a podcast it's called the soundtrack show and it breaks down like if you are if you like movie scores at all like go let li- go listen to the podcast because it is for you but it it lists it it goes through like it went through like jaws and it goes through like harry potter and like all of these different movies that have like these exceptional scores and they have done two different series like they don't just cover it in one episode they take three or four episodes per movie per star wars movie to go through them and right now they've only done a new hope and empire strikes back but in those like if you and it's not even like so complicated that like you need to know so much about music to understand it like it breaks it down and lets you like listen to the music in a way where it's like this is what like this is what John Williams is telling you this is what yeah like oh it's just it's 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 a very good analysis and it like if you want to know more about the music have a deeper analysis without needing to like get a degree in music theory first, like go listen to those episodes. Like they're very, very good.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and with that, that concludes our episode on attack of the clones. Um, which was surprisingly shorter than I anticipated. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's very, um, I think it's very fitting that we end on commentary on the music because oh, it's just so good. And like like I said, you can't have Star Wars without the without the music. It's it's they it's like the yin and yang. You know, you have to have it. So, yep. Um but if you would like to find us on social media, on Twitter, our podcast is at a s w s underscore podcast i am at delaney Organa and brooklyn where can people find you
1: i am at brooklyn bound and the o's are zeros
0: and again we've mentioned this on previous episodes but we did start a patreon so if you have yet to check that out or maybe you wanted to but you forgot here's a reminder um and i just want to preface this um, before we really get into it, but we're recording this like two weeks before it's going to be released, essentially.
1: Yeah, so, on vacation, she's ditching me. So,
0: okay, you know what?
1: <laughs> the, the recordings.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're doing a backlog a little bit. Um, but if you go to Patreon between like now and then when this comes out, you won't be named by name, but just know that we are including you. In spirit, you are included in this. And obviously, once we are current on our episodes, you will be added to the little roster of names that we say at the end of each episode, which is all of the people who are current patrons. Um, and if you aren't a patron already, you can go to patreon.com slash a Star Wars story podcast. We have three different tiers. And that's a really, really easy way to support us if you would like to do that. Um I'd like to give a really, really big thank you to our three patrons that we have. Greg, Nick, and Kayla. Um, Thank you so much for supporting us. It literally means the world. Um, I am, like, floored that we have people who want to financially support us like that. It's kind of crazy to me. Um, But, yeah, it's really, really cool. And we're so appreciative of it. So, Thank you so much yet again. Um, And thank you for listening to this episode. And we hope you enjoyed it. And I guess this is where we say may the force be with you.
1: Yep. (laughs) May the force be with you.